Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Um, I'm going to start with a joke that I stole from Austin. What's a pastor's favourite vegetable? What could it be? I reckon it's lettuce because we lettuce, we lettuce pray, lettuce do this, lettuce do that, lettuce, lettuce, lettuce. But when you think about it, no one likes a limp lettuce, right? They're just like, uh, just hanging there in the bottom of the fridge, going a bit mouldy and yucky and a bit squirmy and, oh, hate limp lettuce. I love crispy, crispy, crispy lettuce. It's got to be the best lettuce, maybe an iceberg from the, from the choicest um, vegetable shop. There's a good one in Freire just down the road, isn't there? But if I was to go into the local vegetable shop and look for a lettuce, I'd want to find the best one possible, right? So I'd search through, find the best lettuce, and I'd avoid picking the one with the limp leaves, the one that's withering away. I like lettuce that is crispy and fresh. And it's the same with coffee, right? We don't like a weak coffee. Who here likes weak coffee? I certainly don't. I'm a bit of a coffee connoisseur and a bit of a coffee snob, especially when I work in Fremantle. So I'm always searching for the best coffee in Freo. So we don't like weak and limp things. We don't like weak and miserable things. And we don't like things which are false. So what happens if you uh, were someone that really, really enjoyed limp lettuce or weak coffee, and you couldn't say no to those things. It's a bit crazy, isn't it, that idea? But you would be a slave to those things if you couldn't say no to them. And we wouldn't be able to, uh, yeah, keep going because we were slaves. So being a slave is the worst relationship you can have with another person, right? So slavery means the complete loss of rights, the complete loss of autonomy. So your master could come to you and say, here's this weak coffee, drink it. Here's this limp lettuce, eat it. And we would be able to not avoid it. We'd have to do it. We'd have to do what they told us. Now, if we have a look at this passage we can see that sometimes we can become slaves again. Do you know our culture is slaves to the very things that they say bring freedom? And our culture wants us to be like them. They want us to enjoy the things that they want us to enjoy. They want us to want what they want. And they want us to celebrate days and times of the year And they want us to worship the cars, the careers, and houses that they want. They want us to pursue everything they want. And they want us to be like them, children of the world. So they want these things so badly that they become slaves to them. However, we've learned in the previous sections of Galatians that we, as God's people, are not children of the world but children of God. So what does this mean? What does it mean to be adopted by God as his children? What sort of lives does God's children live? And why is Paul so perplexed 
about how the Galatians are going back into slavery or about to. Today we're going to see that being God's children means that we're not slaves to weak and miserable things like the lettuce and the weak coffee, but instead we've been made free to be zealous for the right person and the right purpose. So being God's children means that we're no longer our slaves and we're no longer slaves to weak and miserable things, but instead we are made free by Jesus to be zealous for him and his gospel. So firstly, being God's children means not being a slave to things which are not God's. We find that in verse 8. If you have a look in the passage, it says this, Formerly, so in your former way of life, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those by nature who were not God's. So what do we learn from this verse? We know that God liberates us from being slaves to things which aren't God's. So what could Paul mean by the things that aren't God's or not God's? Well, here in this passage, the word is plural. And it's normally the word used to describe the creator God, God who lives in heaven. So is Paul suggesting that then there are, there are multiple gods? No, he's not. He's saying that they're not God. And this means that they're less than the true God, the creator of the world. What is more, Paul has said they're not gods. They're less than God, less than the things that Paul would consider to be gods. So, in Paul's world, these could be false idols, false gods, things that people have made up, and traditions. So what does Paul mean by things which aren't gods? And how can people be captive by them? So in this, I, I had to think of how to illustrate this. How can we illustrate this? Well, it's like being held captive by someone that's weaker than you. Like, so it's like if I tried to hold Lee captive, he, I reckon he's much stronger than me, but I wouldn't be able to contain him and hold him and drag him off to prison, I think. I think he would just break free. But once I got him into prison, say if I did, I would, what happens if I just left? And left the door wide open and said to Lee, now you stay in there, stay in that prison. I'm now going to leave and go and get my coffee. Um, you stay there, it's the best thing for you. Lee's just going to go, huh, Mike's just gone and left, I'm just going to go and leave, right? So that's how it is with the meek the weak and miserable forces enslaving people again. No one's guarding us. No one's saying, stay in there. Here is, here's the problem. They're weak and miserable and they can't do anything to keep us in slavery. But yet, we sit in the room, in the jail and go, I'm just going to stay here. This is okay. Everything's okay. He told me not to leave. He told me that it's for my best. I'm just going to stay here. And yeah, there's freedom outside that jail, but I'm just going to stay here. So in that situation, we have submitted ourselves or enslaved ourselves to something that is weaker, something that is miserable. So Paul is saying the same thing here in Galatians. 
he's saying to the Galatians, you are free, but why are you being held captive by weak and miserable elements or forces? Why are you doing that? No wonder Paul's so frustrated with them. He can see that they're free, yet they're in this prison cell with the open door and they've put themselves there. So being God's children means not being slaves to the things that are not God's and especially the weak and miserable forces. So we find that in verse 9. But you know, sorry, but now, so now that they're Christians, that you know God, rather that you are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? So any force which is not God is a weak and miserable force. So the Galatians have turned back to things which are not from God and started to worship and serve things which aren't God as their God. They serve weak and miserable things. So do we enjoy weak and miserable things? Do we enjoy the weak coffee or the limp lettuce? Well, I don't. (laughs) And if you're like me, I don't enjoy them because they're weak and miserable and limp. They're incapable of giving me the nourishment that I need. They're incapable of being what they claim to be. Weak and miserable things are always weak and miserable. They're pathetic and sad. So take, for example, the best coffee in the world or the best food in the world. If it's not made correctly, it just turns out weak and miserable. And it's very disappointing, isn't it? So Paul is saying the same thing to the Galatians. They've been enslaved by the weak and miserable things again. The so-called gospel that they proclaim and listen to comes from people who are weak and miserable and have just pieced it together using ingredients that God has given them but it doesn't turn out to be the true gospel. It's not the real deal. It's been poorly made and poorly presented and it's poorly made and poorly presented because it's not from God. And because it's not from God, it can't be anything else. It can't be strong and powerful and powerful to save. Weak and miserable forces will always create a weak and miserable gospel, the limp lettuce gospel, the weak coffee gospel. They will always create a gospel that is weak and miserable. It can't save us. Instead, it enslaves us. And by turning back to the weak and miserable gospel that enslaves, the gos- um, that gospel has enslaved the weak and miserable Galatians. So, returning to our jail scene, it's like the Galatians have walked into the jail room, the door's open, they've walked out again and gone, yes, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And then the weak and miserable gospel grabs them by the arm and drags them back into the jail and says, stay here, it's for your benefit, follow me back into jail, it's so much better there, be my slave, listen to me, and work for me. 
No wonder Paul's so frustrated with the Galatians. They've heard the gospel, they've been excited for the gospel, they've been free, they've enjoyed true Christian freedom, and they've returned to the thing that enslaves. Now, this is a travesty. It's a great shame because they know God and are known by God. God has rescued them and brought them out of slavery into his kingdom and given them the authority as sons. So why have they returned to being the meek weak and miserable forces? Well, what display has shown Paul that they've returned? Well, thirdly, being God's children means not being slaves to traditions. So Paul has seen how the Galatians have kept traditions and the not-gods of their world, and they've followed things so slavishly that it's enslaved them. So we learn that in verse 10. So it says this, you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. So the Galatians are having parties, celebration, fasting or feasting, or dressing up just to observe traditions. Or, in this context, they're following the law religiously. They're wanting to be circumcised. They're wanting to do things which are enslaving them. Things which come from God, which are good, but they're following them as if they save. So why is Paul concerned that the Galatians are following traditions? Well, Paul is concerned that these traditions has become the entirety of the Galatians' worship. They've become the centre of who they are as Christians. They have believed foolishly that the gospel, Jesus dying and raising from the dead, plus something else, equals freedom. But in fact, gospel plus anything else is slavery. So, if special days become the entirety of our worship, they become a problem. If we think we can be closer to God because we keep the Sabbath, Easter or Christmas, then we put traditions in the wrong category. Instead of helping us to celebrate the reason for the traditional day, the reason of Jesus coming to die for us and raising from the dead, they distract us and take us into slavery. They become for us a weak and miserable gospel. That weak and miserable gospel is totally incapable of saving us. Now, when we turn a God thing into a human thing, it makes us enslaved. A God thing to a not-God thing. We turn something that God has given us into something that enslaves us. So, so far we focused on the problem. It's been a bit heavy, right? So, Paul is very concerned for the Galatians because they've left the gospel and taken up something which enslaves them. So, this slavery is by something that is weak and miserable. It's a weak and miserable gospel. But what does Paul offer as a solution for the problem? 
Where does he point us to free us from the tyranny of slavery to weak things? Where does he point us to get away from the limp, limp lettuce gospel? Well, he points us to the true gospel. That's the only way we can get out of the slavery that the weak and miserable forces might try and enslave us with. So this is the positive that Paul is bringing out. So being children of God means receiving Jesus and his messengers. And we find that in verses 12 to 18. So the next two points come from 12 to 18. I'm not going to focus too much on the detail um, because it is a quite a detailed passage. But if you have a look at that section there, Paul is writing about completely how the Galatians received him and the gospel that he brought. So the Galatians did a great job, according to Paul, at receiving the gospel. They received the gospel of Jesus and were changed from the heart. They were changed in their inner core. And so much so that Paul reckons they would, give it, would pluck out their own eyes and give them to Paul. Now, would you do that for someone here? Would you reach into your eye sockets and pluck out your eyes and say, here, look, you're blind, you need my eyes. I love you so much, have them. I think we'd be uh, rather, it would be rather hard for us to do. But Paul thinks that the Galatians have been changed so much to love him so much that they would go to extraordinary lengths to love him. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that's a bit of a, a gross picture, isn't it? Of someone plucking out their own eyes. And I don't think in their culture they would actually do it. It was just a euphemism. It was a, a way of saying, look, I love you so much, mate. I would chop off my arm for you, or I'd pluck out my eyes for you, or I'd do this or I'd do that. Um, it's a way of equivalizing or making a, a metaphor for your love. So, Paul reckons that they were changed by the gospel in their inner core. So they would offer up their eyes for him. Now, it's pretty drastic love, isn't it? Would you do that for someone? Would you pluck out your eyes and hand them to them? Probably not. And I don't advise it as a form of love. If you did that to me, I'd be a bit weirded out. Please don't do it. Um, <laughs> but we can be sacrificial in our love, can't we? That's the picture that it's giving. You're sacrificing something out of love for others. And that only comes by being drastically changed by the gospel. So the Galatians have been drastically changed by the gospel. They are children of God. And Paul is gripped by sadness because they're following a weak and miserable gospel. And it's not the gospel which Paul proclaimed to them. But we know that they received the true gospel and understood it. They cared for Paul. They treated him like an angel from God. They treated him like the messenger of God that he really was. Now, that change, that treatment, that love only comes from understanding the gospel. So normal people 
don't receive the gospel and its messages, messengers with love. They treat them with disdain and hate. Only children of God receive his message and his messengers in a loving way. So that's what the Galatians are doing. They're receiving Paul as a messenger of God, which shows they're children of God. They believe Paul and they receive Jesus and Paul as his messenger. Now, so what's the problem again? Well, they're in danger of losing the gospel because they are zealous for things which are not God. They're making much of the things which aren't God. So we learn that again in verses 12 to 18. So being children of God means being zealous for the right person and the right purpose. So the Galatians are in danger of becoming slaves again by being zealous for the wrong gospel. So we've learned in the letter that Paul has called them foolish and bewitched by a gospel which is not the gospel. They've been made foolish and they've been bewitched by a gospel which is not the gospel. So in essence, they become zealous for the wrong people and the wrong gospel. So Paul isn't doubting the fact that the teachers who have come to Galatia are very zealous for the gospel. He's saying that they're proclaiming a gospel which is not good. The Galatians have become zealous for the wrong gospel and the wrong people. So Paul says this in verse 18, it is fine to be zealous or make much of uh, something if the provided the purpose is good and be so always, not just when I'm with you. So what does zealous mean? So zeal or being zealous for something is a deep-rooted desire for, to serve something that we are passionate for. So if some, someone is zealous, they reorientate their whole lives around their life's passions. So Paul, before he was a Christian, was said to be zealous for the persecution of Christians. Now that's not a good thing, right? That's pretty bad, but he was said to be zealous. So whether good or bad, we can be zealous for something. And Paul did not stop being zealous for persecution of Christians until they were put in jail, killed, or yeah, brought shame because they followed Jesus. Now, Paul, before he was a Christian, had zeal for the wrong thing. And it's possible for us to be zealous for the wrong things. So this can be tradition, like the Galatians, or the stuff our culture sells us. So you just need a new house, a new car. You can believe in this or that, and your life will be set, you'll be saved. Don't speak up against the things that we don't want. Or we could follow the footy team, the Dockers, with such zeal that it becomes our God thing. Now, Paul wants the Galatians and us to be zealous for God and his gospel. So being passionate for the right thing, how does that even help us? How does it even help us avoid being slaves or entering into slavery to the wrong things? Well, when we're passionate for the gospel and for Jesus, there's no way that we can be enslaved by something else. 
So returning to our jail scene, it's like the guys in the prison, Jesus comes along and says, follow, follow me, and we go, sure, all right, and we follow him zealously forever. And then the weak and miserable forces come alongside Jesus and us as we're walking, and they say, hey, come follow us back to prison, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, come, come on. They have great zeal for the desire to pull us away from Jesus, and some of us might be tempted But if we're truly zealous about following Jesus and his gospel, we can't be pulled away by those things, can we? We won't be listening to the guys who come alongside and say, come on, come, come, follow me, follow me, follow me. It's impossible. If we're following Jesus, we are passionate for him. We can't become slaves because we are following Jesus. If we're passionate for him, We can't be slaves to other things because it occupies our thoughts, it directs our actions, and it becomes the centre of our core. So we're not made free by the choice to be free, so the choice to exit the prison, but by what we follow and who we're passionate about. So we're not made free by the choice to be free, but we follow but, sorry, but why we, what we follow and what we're passionate about. So Paul wants the Galatians to be passionate about Jesus to avoid being enslaved by weak and miserable forces. So are we like the Galatians? Have we been enslaved by weak and miserable forces? I think it's easy to be tempted in that way. Or do we want to live free as God's children? I think the answer is obvious. I think we want to be free as God's children. Now the next chapter deals in great extent about that and I hope you dive in deeply into that in the next few weeks. So what have we seen in this passage? We've seen that the Galatians have been enslaved by weak and miserable forces. And Paul reminds the Galatians, that being zealous for the gospel and being zealous for Jesus will mean that they're free as God's children. So thinking about this, how do we apply it? So what weak and miserable forces are we most tempted by? When I thought about this, I think I'm most tempted to think that I need to do, go to this event or do this or that in order to be saved by God. I think I might have to keep the Sabbath or give money to the poor or help someone down the street in order to be saved. But in the, in the end, that's just weak and miserable. That's my own attempt to be saved. Are you like that too? What things enslave you? What not God things have you turned into your God thing? What things do you think will save you, but really they're just enslaving you? When we think about this deeply, we know the truth that Paul brings us is true. The gospel is the only means for our salvation. Everything else is just slavery. It's just the limp lettuce gospel. Being children of God means zealous 
for the true gospel of Jesus. It's the only way to be saved and to save others. No rules, no regulations, no traditions are ever going to save us. If we think that we need to do something to be saved, we are enslaved by the Lent Lettuce Gospel. Now we are God's people because he made us his people by sending his son to die for us on the cross. At the centre of his saving work is his sacrificial love. And as God's children, we know that we are no longer enslaved by the weak and miserable forces of the world. Instead, we are God's children, zealous for him and his saving gospel. So it's my prayer that God helps us to live out his gospel and be zealous for him and not something that is weak, limp and miserable. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you um, for the example you've given us in the Galatians. We thank you that, yeah, they were tempted away, but you brought them back. We thank you for that. Father, we pray that you help us to live lives which reflect the truth, your true gospel, not the weak and miserable gospel that others may proclaim. Help us to listen to you. Help us to follow you with all our hearts. Amen.